The Midwest Film Nerds Podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Tim. I'm Nick. Today we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We're going to do a full review of Jose Padilla's Robocop. I don't know if I said that right, <laughs> but we're going to go with it anyway. He's Idle Ha. And then finally, we have some uh, some feedback to discuss from a lucky listener. So oh gosh. we'll get to that at the end. Um, but uh, if you're listening to us for the first time, go to MidwestFilmers.com. Check out all of our back episodes, not just what is in iTunes. Um, we also keep full show notes for every episode. You can send feedback to feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. Let us know how you think we're doing or what you think about any of the stuff that we talk about. Uh, follow us on Twitter at MFN Podcast. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Vine. I'm sure you can guess what our names are on those things. And, um, yeah, about it. So, Willie, what have you been watching? Um, I've been watching RoboCop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Um, I've been watching The Following with Kevin Bacon. The- TV series. On Fox, and they're on their second season now, about a third of the way through or something like that. It's like 15 episodes the first season is, so it's a little shortened, but not like, not doing like the 10 episode Game of Thrones thing or anything like that. Okay. Um, they didn't get the back nine, apparently. I guess not. I don't know exactly, I don't know what the, you know, I, I... Or maybe it was a mid-season. I think that's what it was, okay. but I'm not sure. And I mean, to be honest, it's better that it's not like the usual length, because... I, just the format of the show and what it's about, it would, I think it would just drag. And what's nice about having it at 15 is they can cut out all that filler that you usually have. Mm-hmm. It's it's a show that's actually similar to, to format in like um, from uh, 24 with okay. Kiefer, um, fellow Flatliners star Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and um, in the sense that it, it it doesn't show you real time, but it, it might as well. Like You can tell like what day of the week it is basically just from... From watching it, like marathoning it, you know that it's like taking place over the course of a certain set period of time. Okay, and um, it, it's kind of cool like that. I, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it because I, I loved the first uh, few seasons of Twenty Four before I kind of fizzled out mm-hmm. and stopped watching it. Um, but uh, I, I like I like Bacon. I think it's a cool role for him. I like that he's playing this grizzled kind of detective character, and it's a little different from some of the stuff he's done in the past. I haven't seen him quite in a role like this. He doesn't play a lot of authority figures, weirdly enough, so it's kind of cool to see him. No, he's usually just a little rapey. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and he's not, not, not rapey in this one, so um, it's a good change of pace for him. But uh, I mean, then, there's still some episodes yet to come. So yeah, who knows? Can... The, the, yes, the rapiness could begin. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, James oh, Purefoy. <laughs> James Purefoy is the villain. He's the, uh, the serial killer that Bacon's tracking down. And it's... It's it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it definitely suffers from some issues, mainly um, its reliance on characters being well, the stupidity of the FBI apparently because they never catch or kill anybody. I swear to God, like it takes them like eight years to get one of like the low level cult members, you know. Um, but cult temp, yeah. But they have the intern. But um, <laughs> Stuart, what are you doing out there? Um, I don't know. It's it's a cool show. I enjoy it. I'm like I'm I'm I watched the f- like 19 episodes in like one day, so I must be getting some enjoyment out of it. I don't think it would be as good of a show week to week. I think it's it's kind of a good marathon show. So I'm kind of just going to let it sit and build up in my DVR okay. for a while, and then just 
blast through the rest of the season because I think it's a better show with that with that format. Um, but I enjoy it. Yeah, I think everybody should check it out. If you're a fan of like Silence of the Lambs, that kind of like the cat and mouse type thing, you know, um, the the game of chess that they're always playing is a lot of fun and it's cool. Purefoy's really good. He's really cool, like charismatic. You can buy him as a cult leader. You okay. know, like he's absolutely out of his mind, but you can understand why people think he's. Like, why wayward people think he's charismatic. He's charismatic enough, yeah. And he's got, yeah, he's got very much kind of a, it's like Jim Jones meets, like, James Bond. It's really weird because he's <laughs> kind of smooth, but he's also kind of creepy and, like, it's, it's cool. He's, he's a cool, uh, he's a cool actor and I wish he would make better decisions because he tends to weirdly turn down roles that he should take and stuff from what I understand. But, um, yeah, no, definitely check it out if you're a fan of, of 24, that kind of show. All right. Yeah. Uh, Tim, what have you been watching? What have I? What, what haven't I? Um, <laughs> you talked about True Detective a couple weeks ago, right? I don't want to talk about that. We'll wait till that plays out. Are you going to talk about it? I I was going to say a few. You words. talk about it. You talk about it. Okay. What have you been watching, Tim? <laughs> um, I've been watching like RoboCop was the first movie like post nineteen like seventy that I had seen in a while. The new RoboCop. I've been okay. watching a lot of, like old stuff. And I, bu- I told Willie I bought a book on 1970s horror. It's called Horror Films in the 1970s, so it's pretty easy to find if you want to find it. Um, so I've just been kind of going through that and reading along. I watched, um, I watched a movie called Shockwaves, and it is a, it's an underwater Nazi zombie movie. Like, the Nazi zombies live underwater, and then they come up and attack people on an island. All it's right. really awesome. You should check it out. And <laughs> the poster I remember seeing, or the the VHS cover in the video store. Yeah, I remember I I browsed through the horror section at at my local video store in Bally's Video, <laughs> R.I.P. Oh, <yeah>. And um, <laughs> that that cover was weirdly like I remember like that being very vividly yeah. implanted in my memory as a kid. But... It's a Nazi zombie above a boat. If I yeah, I like float, it's kind of floating <laughs> it's above a boat. Floating yeah. above a boat. Um. I'm trying to remember what else I watched from that book. I've watched like a ton of stuff. And soon the darkness, the original, which was eh, it was all right. Um, the Andromeda Strain, which mm-hmm. is a 1970s. 1970- on the Stephen King or no um, Michael Crichton. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's by uh, Robert Wise, was the director who did the original Star Trek movie. Did um, oh, what's the Keanu movie they remade? They the Earth stood still. He did mm-hmm. West Side Story too. Yeah. And um, a strange mixture of movies. It, it, it really is, but it's so boring. The Andromeda Strain is really boring. <laughs> it's kind of it's almost as boring as the Star Trek the motion picture, but not quite as big of a let. They kill a monkey in the Andromeda Strain. Like they they kill uh, spoilers for the Andromeda Strain. Um, they killed this monkey, and like I thought it was. Re- I had to look it up. It's so realistic looking when this monkey dies. I'm like I have to look up and make sure this monkey dies. And there's like a whole like. Like forums worth of people just like arguing <laughs> about whether die? yeah they're like no don't worry the monkey didn't die like, they've interviewed people about it they're like I can't believe they killed that poor monkey <laughs> and what like year was it made seventy uh, one no they probably did yeah I know <laughs> yeah March twelfth nineteen seventy one pretty sure Milo and Otis is the movie that made them crack down on well okay. Milo and Otis oh man I don't we probably shouldn't get into it but. They filmed that, like, on an island of Japan, so they could not be held accountable for what happened. Yeah, like, no, that was one of the big movies that caused a huge yeah, controversy, because they went through... When like, you throw kittens at live bears, it's never yeah, a good they thing. Yeah, mowed through kittens and pugs, like, yeah. no business. <laughs> the body count for that movie is significant. You could, you could clearly, like, I, I, look, I, I'm an animal lover, okay? Anybody who knows me knows this, so don't take this the wrong way, anybody who's listening, but... 
the sick part of me thought it'd be fun to make a drinking game out of Milo and Otis, and every time you can totally, you're like, yep, uh, that animal died, take a shot, you know, because... <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, but it would be kind of fun, I think, because, like, quite frankly, like, that you can tell. Like, you're like, yep, that cat's dead. It's Absolutely. a celebration of life. It they is. gave for their art. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Tim. Anything else? You've been oh, watching? Um, the third. Uh, if you're a movie fan, and if you're listening to the podcast right now, you probably are. I don't really know you, most of you. So maybe you're not. Maybe you just like to listen to things. But um, Thirty One Days of Oscar is on uh, Turner Classic Movies right now, and I've DVR'd a bunch of stuff from it. And um, so, if you're looking to, I don't know. They, basically, what they're doing this year is they're like they'll do one year, like they'll do. Best Picture of 1939, and then the next day they'll do Best Actress of 1941. Okay. So it's kind of a cool way to, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. I've watched a couple. I watched um, Marty, which is this really sweet, like, Ernest Borgnine romantic comedy from, like, 1950-something. My mom was just talking about this yeah. movie, like, a day ago, and I don't know why. It's re- it was just on. Yeah. Maybe she saw Maybe it. Maybe she yeah. saw it. But it's really, really good. And that, I think that's probably about all. I watched The Wizard of Oz when I was on, but I'd seen that before. So. All right. <laughs> so there you go. Watch that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nick, what have you been watching? I watched uh, season one of Hannibal on Amazon Prime. It was awesome. It is awesome. Okay, it good. is awesome. I watched the first. Ep- I, no, I watched the first episode and liked it. Oh, okay. But I wanted to like. I just haven't got around to watching. Oh, so. I'm the same way. I watched the first like four, I think, and then for some reason I stopped watching it. Oh my god! Not because it was bad. I just it I is know. so good. Brian Fuller continues to be amazing. Brian Fuller continues. He also weaves it sort of into his fuller verse. That's of, awesome. Of multiple shows, including Wonder Falls and Dead Like Me and Pushing Daisies. Uh, it's great. I mean, it's great. It's awesomely shot. It's really cool how it's edited. The production on it is really sweet, and everybody in it is phenomenal. I love Mads Mikkelsen's portrayal of Hannibal Lecter. It's really interesting, really different from Anthony Hopkins, but uh, almost better in a way, just because some people wouldn't take his heresy, but... Anthony kind of wore out his welcome towards the end there, but uh, yeah, it's just phenomenal. I, I loved it. I mowed through it in a couple days, and I'm really looking forward to season two. And they really like, looks like they're hitting the gas in season two, like some crazy stuff is coming. So Awesome. Is he better uh, than Brian Cox, though? Yeah. That's the important Okay, <laughs> okay. It's interesting because a lot of diehard Hannibal fans. Uh, it's it's interesting reading what people are looking forward to. It seems like fans of the novels really embrace the show a lot. They like it a lot, and they're curious when certain hallmark Thomas Harris Thomas Harris characters are going to show up. Um, but so far, I like what they've done with it. It's it's different from the Hopkins uh, universe of Hannibal Lecter. So it's uh, Hopkins verse. Hopkins verse. Uh, and I also have rewatched and also watched the seasons I hadn't seen yet of the IT crowd for a little something on the other side of the coin. Uh, and it's so hilarious. And I watched probably 10 minutes of the American pilot that they attempted to remake it. And it's just abysmal. Yeah. Did it have Joel McHale in it? Yes, it did. Okay. <laughs> and it is, it is like the cornerstone of any argument anyone ever wants to make about why British shows shouldn't be remade in America. It's, uh, it's just, when, when, uh, what year was that? Is it pre? That's post office. Yeah, it was post office. The awkward thing is, it it was uh, it was pre community, I think, but it was while the IT crowd in England was still being made. Yeah, and it's really weird because Richard uh, Iodide is is in it still as Moss, and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, how? Exactly. (laughs) It's terrible. 
terrible. <laughs> uh, but the original was great. And uh, I think that's all I've been watching. I haven't watched any movies in a while. Except for RoboCop. Like Tim. Alright. Um, I... Let's see, what have I watched? Some awkward silence for you guys. True Dicks. You watch True Dicks. True Dicks, yeah. yes. Uh, True Detectives. Uh, True Detective. <clears throat> True Continues to be awesome. I didn't really want to say too much about it. And I hesitate to say what I'm about to say because I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but I don't think anybody's as dumb as I am, so it's not going to ruin it for them. <laughs> um, the only flaw that I found with that show is that the cash that they used in the 90s was printed like in the past five years. <laughs> What's the what? Anytime oh, the that cat. somebody oh, slips somebody okay. a 20 in the 90s, it's one of the newer bills. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Step it up, True Detectives. Um, but no, that show is very good. I'm really, really liking the, like, the show has eight episodes, and there's, I think there's three left, and I think I know where it's headed, but I'm hoping that it blows my mind. Which it has the the capability of doing, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and I know a few people are floating out there because it's an anthology series. Who should be the next? Uh, who who should star in the next season? Yeah. <clears throat> I was thinking it's a uh, it's a great place, or it, it would be an interesting place for Detective Loki of Prisoners to reappear. I think it would be cool to have him. As, like, a feature of, of the show. It'd be cool to kind of start building out that character a little bit, because I know that we've talked about, like, a Prisoner's sequel or something like yeah. that, and how cool that would be. That would be sweet. But, um, yeah, that so... I won't, but that anthology thing, or the, the idea of it, is a cool idea. It's just, it's going to be really hard to follow up replacing McConaughey and Harrelson. That's after, very, and, like, that's it's not absolutely true. Easy. Yeah, because they're really, really good. But the, the idea is that because they came to it, hopefully they can get some other like high-profile people who would right. be really interesting in kind of detective roles. I know that uh, I told you guys. I don't think I said it on the air, but Joanna Robinson, who writes a lot of stuff and is on like the Slash Filmcast TV podcasts, uh, she's she wrote an article, and I, a few of her ideas have been people like um, she wants to see Peter Dinklage and Adam Driver as as detectives and true detective and. Like a bunch of other like random people, it's it's cool. Go check out her article, but um, yeah, True Detective, sweet. Check it out if you haven't yet. Um, I watched the first two episodes of House of Cards season two. Uh, still very good. Definitely, the first episode sets a tone for the season, and I'm interested to see how that how that plays out. However, gonna take a bit of a a break from from House of Cards. To kind of try to catch up on Veronica Mars. Okay. I uh, watched the pilot a few weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, okay. And uh, then I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to finish this in time to see the movie or anything. But uh, I really want to see the movie with Tim in theaters. So I decided to kind of put everything else aside and try to chew my way through it really quick. And I got through four more episodes yesterday. It's good. It's interesting. It's They do a really good job of having a... An overarching storyline, but also being episodic at the same time. Something similar to, you know, Whedon shows or that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, that has me hooked and I'd like to see where it goes and I'd like to kind of get to know the characters more. And of course, uh, Enrico Colantoni is amazing because he's amazing. And <laughs> any more of him that I can have in my life is, is always fantastic. So 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's about it for what I've been watching. All right, so our full review this week is Jose Padilla's RoboCop, uh, the remake of Paul Verhoeven's classic uh, movie film. Uh, this new version stars Jill Kinnaman, Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, Abby Cornish, Jackie Earl Haley, Michael K. Williams, Jennifer Eel, Jay Baruchel, Samuel Jackson, and a bunch of other people. Um, so the synopsis here. In 2028 Detroit, when Alex Murphy, a loving husband, father, and good cop, is critically injured in the line of duty, the multinational conglomerate Omnicorp sees their chance for a part man, part robot, part uh, police officer. So, um, I think it's safe to say that a lot of us like RoboCop, the original, quite a bit. I don't think any of us here were clamoring for a remake. Um, I'm not sure whether or not some of us were just, like, absolutely opposed to a remake. But we can kind of go around the circle and, and see how we felt about that. Willie, what, what, were you excited for a RoboCop remake? I didn't really care. No. I, yeah, I was kind of, I don't know, I wasn't, I, I really like the first RoboCop, but I'm not, like, a RoboCop, like, fan. I'm not, <clears throat> not I haven't seen, I don't think I've even seen RoboCop 2 or 3, to be yeah, honest. Okay. I, like, I like the original movie. As a standalone movie, I've never been a like a fan of the the franchise, you know. Um, and so I I wasn't I I wasn't bothered either way by it. I kind of I understood why they were remaking it because it makes sense from a from a studio's perspective with all the the eighties nostalgia stuff that's being put back on screen now, and a lot of that's been pretty successful. Yeah, some of it hasn't, but um, it Total made recall. sense. Yeah, yeah, Total Recall being the unsuccessful, Transformers being certainly the bigger bigger success but um i don't know i didn't really carry their way and and i the first stuff i saw you know out of the production the first look at the suit and stuff i just kind of yeah exactly what i expected you know what i mean that's kind of how i i i don't know i was not surprised by anything i saw out of the production of this tim no i did not want this to happen <laughs> you you were you were opposed i to was a yes i'm opposed to them remaking any paul verhoeven movies like stop they're just not going to match the steaminess. <laughs> no, right? they're not going to match the steaminess. Total Recall looked like garbage. <laughs> like you're not going to you're not going to beat Total Recall with Arnold. And so I guess you can maybe take a different, but they took a different approach by just making it as bland looking as possible. Who directed that? Len Wiseman. Yep. Ugh. Um, <laughs> uh, RoboCop. No, I've heard them kick around ideas of remaking Star Tri- Starship Troopers. Which God, don't do that either. Mm-mm. Like you're not. I mean. The thing is, like, Verhoeven movies have all a very specific tone and style to them, and it's just, it's very hard, like I said, they're very unique movies, mm-hmm. and they're very sarcastic movies, most of them. They're very, like, smart-assy movies, yeah. and that's why I love them. And if you're not gonna, I mean, it's just so hard to judge a movie like these on their own merits when you're remaking a movie that unique, and you're doing it in very generic ways like the Total Recall remake. And I'm sure that, because they've kicked around the idea of Starship Troopers, are like, we're going to follow the book. And, like, the great thing about the movie is the movie totally rips on the book. Like, that's the point yeah. of the movie, is it's making fun of the book. Like, that's still funny to me. Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> great. Stop. Stop. So that's why. Alright, Tim. Or Tim. Nick. Tim. <laughs> Thoughts? Uh, I was also opposed to it. And I, I warmed up to it, but that was only in, like, the last nine days. 
when I saw one TV spot that had one little detail that gave me like the slightest glimmer of hope, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And that was literally about it. But uh, like Willie said, I was very underwhelmed by most of what I was seeing from the set. I was like, oh, okay, there's that. Oh, look, there's that too. <laughs> like yeah, like Tim said, the first one's really it's it's so unique. It's just not, it's not like anything else that's ever really been made. And uh, the first one's so interesting because of what it what it aimed for, and uh, it, it stands out amongst like other '80s action movies for that. And uh, I can see the temptation from a studio standpoint to remake it. And I can see the temptation from an artistic standpoint to say, like, we can make, we can take this message from the 80s and transplant it into the 2010s and make it, uh, you know, adapt, use RoboCop as, as that kind of vessel to channel this message through. And it, it absolutely could have worked. It just didn't. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was opposed to a remake for selfish reasons, but if... You know, I think we're we're a little bit justified now having seen it. It just didn't didn't pull together what I thought maybe it could as a remake. That and I'm I'm all for like if a, if a property like that that I love can be, you know, retooled and and uh, open up a new a new audience to it with a with just you know a more, more modern delivery that and it's good. That's totally fine. I'm not yeah. nothing's really that sacred, but. Sorry, didn't really work out. So. <laughs> All right, well, we can we can break into to actual thoughts on the movie. Willie, what did you think of, of RoboCop 2014? Um, I felt about the movie pretty much the same way I, as I felt about everything I saw about the movie leading up to it. <laughs> I just don't care. I don't, like, nothing... Nothing in this movie is... I'm going to sound incredibly bland here and, like, uninteresting to listen to, and I apologize for that, but that's kind of how the movie is, so... <laughs> I, I, like, it's... There's nothing, there's nothing about this movie that I will walk that I walked away from going, wow, that was cool. Like nothing. Like the action scenes are sparse and, and, <laughs> and not at all visually interesting. They're just the most generic taken from every action movie previous. Overly overuse of CG when it doesn't need to be done, and a lot of it to me didn't look all that great anyway. Um, so lifeless and humorless. No, no attempt to even like inject any sort of like fun into it at all. Yeah. And I mean, I'm okay, like the first movie is pretty, pretty nasty, but there's a lot, there's a lot of fun to be had with the first movie. There's none. It's pretty wacky. There's none to be had here. Yeah. There's nothing. <laughs> well, like I, I feel like you can describe Verhoeven's RoboCop as wacky and be pretty. It's spot a little wacky. It. Yeah, I know it. Like that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is not wacky. <laughs> It's whack. It's very, <laughs> it's very self-serious. Yeah, it, 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 it does take itself a little too seriously. And, it, and the, the parts that try to be wacky stand out as so awkward, too. So awkward. I mean, There's like, Sam, Jackson, Sam Jackson's trying to be, like, Bill O'Reilly thing, and I understand where they were going, but most of that does not fall. It falls flat on its face. Oh, I, want, I want to talk about Sam Jackson. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll No, no, go for you. it. But. No, I, I don't have too much to say, but I just don't think much of that worked anyway. No. Um... Well, you talk about Sam. Well, no, I, I, I said this to Nick and Alex in the theater, but, like, if you're going to dress Sam Jackson up like that, like, there are... Are we spoiling this? Is this even a spoiler? I, I mean, don't... what is a spoiler, really, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> Just go for it. Well, if you're going to dress... If you've seen the commercial, Sam Jackson is dressed up in, like, a wig and a silly suit, and he's standing in front of 
I don't know, it's a ridiculous, like, future talk show. And if you're going to go that route and dress Sam Jackson up like that, I think you, you've got to go full parody and just, like, go balls out. And this movie, like, half the scenes are just a regular news show. Like, he's kind of a Bill O'Reilly, but it's kind of, it's just so bland. And I'm sitting there going, like, that's, like, it's Sam Jackson. Like, he's sleepwalking through this anyway. He totally. can sleepwalk and do that performance, and at least I'll be interested. Like, I dreaded seeing those scenes, yeah. and that is not something I should feel in that. I mean, the sad thing is that they all, like, all of those scenes drive home the same point that we can kind of get to. Right, and, and it's not... We'll, we'll save a spoiler yeah. section, but... It, no, it's... it's. There are several Sam Jackson segments throughout the movie, and every time they came up, I was just instantly bored. <laughs> Because they all want, they all were saying the same thing, and no, they didn't serve individual purpose. At they all. spell out the movie, and they yeah. usually <laughs> they usually pop up at, at like the most inopportune times, like the brief moments where I actually was starting to enjoy something, and then it's like, nope, Sam Jackson's back <laughs> yeah. to rip the fun away, to rip any chance at enjoyment you could have from this movie out of the. Like, it, it, no, it's not good. I mean, like the supporting cast, like a lot of the characters, like the supporting characters and the cast are actually pretty good. Like I, there's nobody that was bad except for phoning it in Sam Jackson but like Michael Keaton was was there and doing his Michael Keaton thing and being a mad, <laughs> yeah. bad corporate guy and I was fine with that Gary Oldman's character was kind of cool I liked I liked I liked that character I liked I liked kind of watching him like teeter on the edge of falling into you know morally horrible decision making right. you know that was kind of cool but a lot of these are half ideas that never get fully fleshed out and it's just uh, I don't know. It's incredible that a movie about a robotic cop on a motorcycle could be so dull. Like, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. It didn't. It didn't even feel like flashy or anything at that. No, it. It honestly reminded me of the Total Recall. Like what I've seen of the Total Recall remake. I mean, I I I slept walked through that slept walked through that movie. (laughs) So, um, I don't remember a ton of it, but it was similar in that just just the most boring science fiction designs possible and. I think Nick I, and Alex and I like the bike stuff. We like Robocop on the bike. The bike was pretty. But I'm not sure yeah. if I didn't like that because like it reminded me of the Dark Knight. And I'm like, oh, I like the Dark Knight. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this reminds me of another movie. This, but that's kind of how I felt the entire movie. So. That's yeah. a good point. I don't know. I Nothing. nothing I, I didn't hate anything, but I didn't enjoy anything. That's really kind of how I feel about this. Fair enough. Tim. Oh, boy. Um... I remember, like, when the movie ended, I was like, that was fine. Like, I didn't hate it, mm-hmm. and I kind of, for a while, I was expecting to go in just hating it. Because I, I really do hate it, the idea of remaking RoboCop, especially the way they did it. Um, because you said you said something to me. You said something, it pissed me off, and it was totally true. It's why it pissed me off. But, like, they're not going for the same thing mm-hmm. as the original RoboCop. They're going to make a generic action movie for this. And I'm sitting there going, like... Oh my god, you're right. Like, that's this movie's ambition, is to make a generic action film. Like, how awful is that? Like, really shooting for the stars. <laughs> right? Like, what a, what a disaster. But, but it, no, it feels like a movie... And I think, honestly, I, the cast is good. I, the director, I mean, I thought the movie looked good. This feels yeah. like a movie where anytime they got close to something interesting the studio stepped in and said whoa 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 like let's not make anybody and mad basically that... all quotes from the director cor- yeah. corroborate is that, that what yeah i mean it's a pg-13 robocop <laughs> and i the thing that 
I went home and thought about, and I got all upset about, <laughs> like it made me hate it, is they play I Fought the Law and the Law won oh, by The Clash God. at the end. That was so dumb. It's so stupid, and it sums this movie up perfectly, because <laughs> that song is completely, has nothing to do with what happened in the hour and 40 <laughs> so minutes beforehand. And it's just taking the, like, the basic title of the song and going, well, it's got law in the title. We got a RoboCop. No, you know what it really is? It's the director saying, I tried to fight the studio. Is that what? <laughs> Probably. The other thing I was thinking of is like, because The Clash is like a remake of a uh, guy that nobody remembers, or I don't remember, so nobody does. But but it's a remake of a song that I got. So maybe he's like dropping the mic and saying like, this is my remake. Like, this is a remake. I'm, I'm the Clash remake. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he's... Uh... <laughs> It was so weird the out of left field that song at the end. And, I forgot to mention. Yeah, and that's know. but that's the movie in a nutshell. Is like it's taking things just on a basic like. Why is this movie set in Detroit? Did anybody figure that out? It's because it's because the original was set in Detroit. They do nothing with the city of Detroit. And if you're going to put Detroit in your movie at this point in time, it has to be a character. But no, the song <laughs> has mean, a bunch of really random Detroit stickers all over his stuff yeah. in his bedroom. The, but the, it's not like I feel like in the original movie. It's not like Detroit's a huge character. We don't. We didn't at that time. We didn't really have like a skyline. Like at least in this movie, we had the Renaissance. Oh, yeah, it, well, but, that, but it is. It is. I mean, this was another. Well, this is another weird choice. Is but sh- I, I okay. I get what I'm you're going. saying because you kind of you get you get more of the this is Detroit in this movie. You just get like a vignette of like Detroit is at least a city in the original, and it's a yeah. dirty, grimy, crime infested city. This. Half the scenes, like, actually, more than half of the RoboCop scenes take place in daylight. Yeah. Just broad daylight. Yeah. And ro- it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is a terrible movie now. <laughs> All right, Nick. Yes. <laughs> Look at the beast. <laughs> uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> it's not kind of fun to watch sometimes. It's, uh... And I think the the biggest problem is a problem of... Con- is There's a real issue of consistency in this movie. Like, it feels... You can almost feel like if you if you tore down the movie screen and movie to look behind it, you'd see like the director and the studio like playing tug of war, <laughs> just fighting over what to do with this thing. Because like Tim said, it feels like its ambition is to be a generic action movie, but then it smacks you in the face with this like political social commentary like randomly throughout the movie that just ends up becoming disorienting. And yeah. It's such an abrupt gear shift that it just ends up throwing the whole thing into a tailspin. And the the little few beats of comedy that are in there feel really strange and just like awkward. Like just that guy who you're friends with who just can't land a joke to save his life, and everybody's just you know kind of getting into a groove, and then he just drops a really bad, and, you're, and the whole room just kind of goes. And it takes some nice guy to try to help it, you know, write the shit. That never happens though. It's. Uh, I don't think it looks consistent. I don't think there's anything remarkable about the way it looks or the way it's directed. I think the action is the most boring action I've seen. Like, I'd watch the Bourne Legacy action again over this movie. Uh, <laughs> the suit is kind of uninspired, and by the time the real one shows up at the end of the movie, I'm just like, whatever. Spoiler alert! I just want it, whatever. <laughs> it's in all the promotional stills. Like, it doesn't even matter. Everything that could be spoilery from this movie has already pretty much happened in the trailers and the stills. Um, and in a movie in the 80s. Yeah. That has a civil view as that? Robot cop. It was kind of fun to see Michael Keaton on screen again. That was a, that was kind of a plus. But everybody else feels kind of, kind of wasted. I like Joel Kinnaman a lot. Like I think I'm the only one here who's really watched The Killing. 
And uh, that's the only thing I think Americans really maybe know him from is mm-hmm. that. And he's phenomenal in that show. And in this movie, he like he gave it his best, like for sure. I think he, he just really, wasn't given a lot to work. No, with. yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I, I like he was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't. And I actually, I, probably, you know, I, I sympathized with him a little bit. I was like, okay, I see this guy is like trying to be a good cop and stuff, but it there just wasn't the. It, whole thing is kind of empty and soulless and uh it's it's too bad cause a lot like a robot cop yes <laughs> yes this is the most enthusiastic episode of the like show ever. <laughs> well what i really the stuff i want to talk about is i can't really get into now well we uh, can get into spoilers in more, i think just the problem is nobody would give he wouldn't give to the studio the studio wouldn't give to him and if, if one of the two parties had just caved a little bit it feels like it might have been better well like do you <laughs> I think if the studio got their way, it would have been a shot-for-shot remake with new actors. Did anybody want that? Does no, anybody, no does anybody, I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have been. Yeah. I don't think that's true either. I think, I think if the director had had his way, it would have been closer to a remake of Me the first too. one. Yeah. I honestly do. I think the studio mm. wanted it to be, the studio wanted to be Transformers yeah. with RoboCop. Because yeah. I felt like honestly. if the director had his way, yes, it would have been more of a, more of a satire, and there would have been more to the sociopolitical stuff behind mm-hmm. the movie. But I don't. I still think it would be very different from what Verhoeven accomplished with his movie, as opposed to what he. We can get hints of what he was trying to accomplish with this one. Yeah. I still like. I feel like the the first one would have been almost shot for shot, except for the fact that Robo, RoboCop would have been a transformer, like Jay Baruchel says in the movie. But I don't. Think okay, I it, re- regardless of, <laughs> I must have been in the bathroom when that line happened. What does he say? Yeah, when does I missed the uh, the part when he comes in talking about the paint jobs and he's like, oh, the, this tested well with the groups where he turns into the he like has all the cop lights. Oh, is that when the lights flash? Oh, yeah. oh, I did stop paying attention yeah. there. Um, so you're the only person that saw that happen. Are you sure this happened in the movie? Not anymore. <laughs> no, you're just making parts up. <laughs> I'm making the movie more interesting. He's desperately trying to cope and fill the, fill the void. Um, okay, regardless of who would have made it happen, would a shot-for-shot shot remake have been something anybody wanted? No. no. Okay. Well, I'm taking your, I'm taking your definition of shot-for-shot shot way too literally. I think, like, I'm thinking like Psycho. Like that would mean bad. you mean that? I mean, I mean, just Level like remake? if it if it runs the same, if it tries to run the same satire, tries to do the exact same thing with basically the same scenes. Except there's different people. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I might know. have actually been more open to that, like an, a a retelling of the same story in a different setting for a different time. I would kind of be down with, I think, over like what we got. <laughs> yeah, and that's. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't. I don't want to elevate. I don't want to necessarily elevate RoboCop onto the level of like Shakespeare. But when you see like a, when you see <laughs> I, something like that transplanted to a different time period. Like, say, like, Much Ado. It's basically the same story, with the same scenes and the same characters just moved into a different era. If it had been that, just a little more feature, a little more modern and not so steeped in, like, 80s vibiness, I, I might have kind of been down for it. The weird thing is, like, I watched the... I'm sorry, Tim. Go ahead. No, no, no. Um, I was just going to say, I mean, you can do... And in the movie actually starts... But it starts doing a little bit of satire at the beginning that I was interested in, and it's its own voice and it's its own. It's during this time, and you can still do that if that's what you're saying. Like I wasn't sure. If, like if you, you should still, I think a RoboCop movie should feature some sort of satire. If you're going to remake the first RoboCop, you just have to do it for its own time frame. And this doesn't really it didn't I mean, commit. Yeah, it, does, it didn't commit. Yeah. The I would have rather rather re- had like a, a rehash of the first one, but with like 
a, a modern sort of modern right. message, or just go full bore. This is a robot policeman on a motorcycle. Like, I, I kind of would have been like, you know what? If it's a ninety minute movie of just badass right. RoboCop shit, I would have been like, you know what? That's cool because I have the original on my on my shelf and I can watch that. And this was just a wild like extravaganza of crazy robot effects. I might have been like, oh, okay, I don't know. Uh, I feel like this is one of those things where some you're damned if you do, damned if you don't for a lot of fans. Yeah. But uh, I think that a lot of people could have just been like, it's never going to touch the original, so I might as well just run with it and see if it's at least good on its own merits. Okay. Yeah, I was basically in a... I, I watched the 4K restoration uh, Blu-ray that came out a few weeks ago. Uh, and it looks really, really good. If anybody needs a copy of RoboCop, go get this one. It was really cheap on Amazon, like $8 when it was released. So um, it's super pretty. But um, even with all of the technology that the movie, that the original movie kind of plays with, it doesn't, it feels really timeless. The story feels really timeless somehow. Mm-hmm. So I almost don't. I don't see the I, I don't see the point of remaking a RoboCop. I mean, obviously, like the studio standpoint of let's make this movie with with modern technology and sleeker robots and that kind of thing. Okay, if you're gonna do that and make it accessible for a new audience, clearly that's not for the original fans and whatever. Go ahead, but and and with with what we ended up with. As Nick said, the tug of war between the director and the and the studio. I don't, I don't think it was quite worth it. But would it have been cooler, you think, to have like a situation where it's almost a sequel, where it's a different detective many years later who they've shut down the RoboCop project. Alex Murphy is done and dusted by this point, and like it is somebody decides to like reignite the RoboCop project, and that would explain why it's more of an upgraded. Like I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It was a pseudo, not a sequel, but it took place in the same universe many years later after. The first RoboCop, you know, like then I think it would be more easy, easy to embrace something different, you know, because it has ties to the original, but it's doing, it's able to do its own thing. Maybe, but I still. I, I mean, regardless, know. the movie, if it was this movie, it still wouldn't work. But I'm just saying, I think that that might have been a nice way to, to separate enough from the Alex Murphy character and all that stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll take a well, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with spoilers, but. Uh, before you skip over this section, or before you stop listening, we will have feedback at the end of the show. Let's check the show notes on MidwestFilmNerds.com to see where to skip over the spoilers. It's really not that big of a deal. This movie gets spoiled for you. but uh, And come back and listen to our feedback, because that could be you when you write in at feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, here we are in spoiler Terry for RoboCop 2014. Uh, okay, so um, I had a lot of battles with this. When I was watching the movie, I started laughing, and Nick and Tim were like, "What is he laughing at?" I don't remember. I that. thought it was really, really stupid when uh, when they turned off the the lights on the robot. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought the same thing. Why would you turn off the lights when a robot is coming to get you? 
This oh, thing's, yeah, this thing's like <laughs> two billion dollars. Yeah. You don't think they can throw like thermal goggles or something on that guy? No, yeah, apparently not. But then it made sense to me. I was like, okay, well these are criminals, so clearly they're stupid. <laughs> so I'm okay with it now, just so that you guys know it makes sense. I just remember, yeah, it all lines up in my book. They're yeah, not intelligent really, people. Really but um, yeah, that's all I have to say in spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like, this is the ice the part when they yeah. shut him down in the rice paddy and he fell. Yeah, I laughed. Really I was trying really hard to think of a rice joke to whisper into your guys' ears, but it didn't. That it was didn't, funny. It didn't me. come together by the time it was, by the time it passed. But what were the jokes in this? Because you guys keep talking about the jokes. Michael K. Williams. Uh, yeah, that was one. When when Robo oh, when he find, when he meets RoboCop <laughs> and, and he's like, at least I know you're the right color now or whatever <laughs> he says. It just was so. It was so weird. It was stupid, but I laughed. Yeah. Yeah. It would be hilarious in like. A better Robocop movie. <laughs> no, totally. Like yeah. one that's having a little more fun with itself, but the whole... Right. Like... That, I don't know, man. There's a... <laughs> there's an inherent problem with this movie, though, from the start, and that's trying... I appreciate... I don't, I don't know what to say, but I'm going to sound like I'm like I am flip-flopping as much as this movie and everybody involved with it, but... I, I'm, I appreciate the fact that they want to do something different, but... The the fact that they made it so public who he was and like totally gave him his identity from the start and it's it's the total opposite of the original Robocop yeah. in that regard. I don't know why they did it and I don't know why. Uh, why him? Because they make it seem like he was. I don't know. It seemed like there was a weird subtext to like he was like a, a special guy somehow. Like he was one that had enough heart to go through it because they. They talked about the other candidate who like had aggression issues, issues even though yeah. he was like physically perfect, and they, they dismissed all these other candidates for other reasons. And him, they were like, they they just kind of fast forwarded through that whole selection mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. and just sign this shit so we can move to the second act. And <laughs> I I don't know why, because in the original, it's it's not about him at all. Like it's just he's just a guy. They're like, oh shit. It's like he's a dead cop yeah, that they can right? make into a robot. They just rolled in because they wipe him. He, who he is is irrelevant. And in this movie, they they try to. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever because Gary Oldman's technology is supposed to work only when there's no emoting involved whatsoever. Well, but on, at the same at the same level, when he's talking to the guy who's playing guitar, he's what he says is the music. You can still play the music. Like the music is you. Like that's that's something that you make with the tools that are your hands. So I can kind of see the we want a good cop who's even keeled and whatnot. I don't think they executed it well. But I can see where they're where they're kind of what the road that they're headed down. It makes sense to me, but I don't think they put enough into it to for it to really yeah. line up because it's it's kind of like a there, there's there's two there's two it's a two way street. Like a, there's the aspect of thinking about we want it to be somebody who's good natured and and will be a good cop and no matter what and and he'll be able to understand that even though he's lost his body, he now has a new mechanism with which to carry out what he had done for the rest like for all of his life beforehand and then on the other on the other side of the coin they talk about him needing to have the psychological fortitude to be able to get through to make that leap they don't connect it well and it doesn't it doesn't come to a head we don't get to a point where it's like see this is him pulling through with a clear head that never happens in Mm -hmm. the movie but i I get where it's going, but I understand that they don't do it particularly well. I was just puzzled early on, because when the guy is playing the guitar, and then he starts to think too much about it, or starts to, like, 
feel it, it like starts to mess with the mechanism. Yeah. And I was like, so why are you putting a human who's going to start feeling in these situations into this suit? If it's, maybe the suit is so advanced that it doesn't matter. Like it's just in a different level of this bionic arm. But then why are you showing me that scene? Like it felt like yeah, that totally. scene was supposed to have some sort of significance, but it felt to me like it contradicted the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. Well, and there's there's tons of weird flip flopping with ton with a lot of different characters. Like the police chief is very like, hey, one moment and she's like, another, and <laughs> Michael Keaton's that way a little bit, and Gary Oldman is like totally nice guy doctor, and then he's like scumbag sellout. Give me all my money for my research, and then he flips back again. Well, yeah, I don't. Just, I think I think that was a movie is a pendulum just swinging back and forth. The the at least with the Gary Oldman, I felt that his wanting the money and whatnot was just like a hey, I need to end this meeting so I can get the RoboCop as soon as possible. I don't felt like he actually flip flopped. But on the other on the other subject of the guy playing the guitar, the whole I think that goes to show why Dennett thinks Dennett's resistance to the idea in the first place. He's like. It, they don't do it well, like I said, but you can you can see where Dennett's like you're putting a man into a machine. You want like the the scene where he's showing the results of the testing that Jackie Earl Haley does mm-hmm. to uh, Michael Keaton. He's like, this is a man in a machine. This is a machine, and you know how that whole thing goes down. And 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 Michael Keaton's like, I want this. Give me this and this and. Then it's just like no, that doesn't work because he's still a human. Right. I think that's that's there, but they don't connect those dots. No, not at all. No. It's it's brutal. Can I talk about Abby Cornish for a second? Sure. Oh my gosh. Wait, now, do you want to talk about Abby Cornish or her character? Uh, I'm not like, like, are you hating her? No, 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 I like her. Oh, like, you I like her? Like I hated her character. Okay, I thought like, you were like, I didn't like, oh my character gosh, kind of sucks. But like, okay. like the actress herself, I, I, I want to see her in more movies, please. I do like. Thank you. Um, and then... She's, she's game. She's a game hen. Yeah, she's a game hen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I had a few things I wanted to say, but I, I can't remember any of them except for Gabby Cornish, so that's it. Okay. Tim? So is that the timer? No, I think is I that the, uh, Is that the Emma Caulfield? Um, no, we're good. Keep okay. going. Yeah, I had some things. Um, <laughs> the villain. No, I, got, I got a real big one, too. That... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, what do we think? Like, the best remakes... Like, what are the ones that pop? The Thing remake? Mm-hmm. I was thinking the Fly remake? Scarface. Wait, the, the thing, Scarface? The Thing remake. Like, remake the John of the John Carpenter. Yes. And you know what? And even, I love the Thing from Another World, and I love, and I like the original Fly. Friday the um, 13th? Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. But even, like, those remakes all offer different takes on the, on the material. Mm-hmm. They go a different route. And this movie... And this is what, like, I want to clarify. Like, I don't actually think this is a terrible movie. Like, it's, like I said, I think it, I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was the worst thing I'd ever seen. It's just kind of there. It's really unremarkable. It's unremarkable. So, I think I called it terrible, but, like... Remarkably unremarkable. (laughs) But, like, this movie, what really, there's so many disappointing things about it. And it's the movie itself. It's in the movie itself. The movie starts out really, it started out really interesting to me because they start in Tehran, and they seem like they're going around with, like, like critiquing, like, uh, drone warfare. Mm-hmm. That kind of seems like the route they're going. And they drop that completely about 30 minutes in, it seems like. Mm-hmm. They just completely go away from it. So any chance they had, I mean, to take a different take on this story, like, I thought they were going to do it in the first 30 minutes, and they don't. So that was disappointing. This cast is really good. 
Abby Cornish. Um, I like Jackie Earl Haley. Like, I think I'm a Jackie Earl Haley fan. Oh, he's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I've seen him not as Rorschach. So I. Oh really? Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's, he's he was fun in this movie. I thought he yeah. was like one of the he was the closest we were going to get to like a like a Bodiger level villain. Right. I, I mean, obviously, he does not reach that that height. He but felt he felt like a character. Like, he, yeah, yeah, he felt yeah. like like a good fantasy sci-fi fantasy villain. Mm-hmm. Like, but they didn't. They don't give him enough time to shine. I don't think either. No. Like to fully go. Yeah. You know, he just kind of moves the plot along. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was gonna, I mean, and to touch on what I was saying before, for a movie with this good of a cast, and even, I, I mean, I guess I haven't seen his other movies, but I, I thought he had some, I thought there was some talent behind the camera too, for it to be this unambitious is really disappointing. It's like, I mean, I don't, it's like an MB, it's like the Heat going like, we just want to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, let's just make the playoffs and see how it goes. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what this movie is doing. And it's, I, I, like, I don't, I don't think that was the... Like the director is quoted as saying, I, yeah. every ten ideas that I threw at them, nine of them they said no. But even like, and I'm trying to like judge it on its own merits. Even with that, like, just wasting this much talent in a movie with this much potential, and then wasting a decent opportunity to make some sort of satire is just really disappointing. Also, um, were you going to touch on the PG-13? Okay, go for it. Go for it. You're only kind of on a roll. Okay, no, the VG... um, The VG-13, RoboCop is a hard R, the first RoboCop. Yeah. And that's It was almost X. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And, um, RoboCop shoots a dick off, right? Yep. Yep. Yes, he Shoots a guy in a dick, yeah. And a rape seat. And, like, there is no better way to set up just a run-down, awful, crime-ridden city... Than just like having a rapist get his dick shot off, <laughs> like by the Robocop. Like that's how you do it. Like, Sends that's all how... the right messages. You set the tone in this movie. There, it wants you to. F- I think it wants you to. I don't know what it wants you to feel it, with the violence because I don't feel like Detroit's ever run down. Even when they were over in Tehran, they cut away from any of the violence to make any sort of impact. I think. First of all, you... real quick, can I just ask? Yeah. I, I want to get this out there. Where the hell do Alex Murphy and his wife live? Because it's, like, like, where is that in Michigan? Like, like in relation to Detroit? Because, like, it's super nice. Yeah. And what does she do for a living? Because he, he's not making that money on cop salary. <laughs> so, like, what's, like, I don't know why, but that really bugged me. I'm like, I don't think this detective would be living in this nice, like... It, no, that's what's so weird. Yeah, you yeah. never get a feel, and that's part of what goes along. You never get a feel that... <laughs> that RoboCop's even necessary in Detroit. I mean, like, I think I think it's the the problem. Like we definitely have a skewed vision of it because we know what Detroit's like. Yeah. It's like I I leaned over to Tim at the part where he's riding the motorcycle across the bridge, and I was like, why is he going to Canada right now? Because <laughs> that's the only bridge that we have in Detroit. But in this jurisdiction, what is he doing? I think it's the, actually I think the opposite because we know what Detroit's like because we live here. But the rest of the country thinks Detroit is way worse than most people that live here. Oh, that's like, true. Everyone you yeah. ever meet from out of state, they're like, holy shit. Are you okay? Like when you say you're from Detroit. Oh, totally. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are going to see this movie and go, it's really green. It's green. <laughs> well, and I think... It's I, probably somewhere Okay, I think part of it is, I think we're trying to carry over the, the, the crime-ridden Detroit. We're trying to carry that over to from from the original to this one. And I don't know if that's that's explicitly stated within the movie in the first no, place. No, totally, but you still need to have a reason... To have a RoboCop. Well, and the point, the point, the full point gives you that. The full point of the RoboCop is for Omnicorp to to instate totally, their their, totally. their 
Yeah. But even like 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 there should be a reason why he's used in the city of Detroit. And like the they people... could they could have taken Alex Murphy and dumped him in any city. Who gives a shit? Sure. Like, you know, like, yeah. like there's nothing. Take there's, him out of Miami or something. According to this movie, <laughs> there's one drug dealer that, <laughs> that's, that's right. bad in the movie. Like there's there's one villain. One villain with a bunch <laughs> of other guys. That's it. Like, and then like a, like a mugger. There's like one mugger in the city. Like, it's he's done. His job's done in the first week. That's that's it. That's yeah. I think that a lot of this issue for me. I I really appreciate where they. I appreciate the thought of trying to explore his humanity a little bit more, but I think it does disservice to the character of RoboCop. It's more about Alex Murphy, but then the the whole everything that makes RoboCop awesome is kind of dialed way down in this movie like the the motorcycle was cool and that was like about it because he in the original robocop when on his first night out like as soon as they like set him loose they're like go get him he like gets it right in a squad car and there's like a montage of him busting like a bunch of this movie needed a montage cracking a bunch of dudes heads and it's sweet in this movie you're like a he can run the original (laughs) robocop cannot run at all like he like kind of kind of he does a weird like kind of sideways jog thing for one shot in the original (laughs) And this one he can he can sprint and like jump tall shit and he has a motorcycle. Why do we not have an amazing montage over the course of like a weekend of him just like cleaning up the streets? Yeah. And then later they're like, here's some figures, crimes down. They're like, what show? You didn't see that. <laughs> what, what crime is that? Yeah, what could yeah. World Cup's out there in the broad daylight. So I, I got excited when I saw him like in the police station and jump on the motorcycle. I was like, hi. Like we're gonna get a, a cool montage of him going around there, cracking just, skulls. Just wrecking. Yeah, and it never really happens, and I think part of it might be because of the rating. I, I don't know. I don't know because it feels like the the PG thirteen, the the hard PG thirteen that they could push was pushed in on the wrong. It was wasted. It was cool. Like it was disgusting to see him as a floating. <laughs> yeah, that's that, right. Okay, that was one of the coolest things. Thing. That, that was one of the coolest things in the movie. Yeah. Was 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 was. I mean, that, that, hand that, that and, took and me aback. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, that was shocking. That was neat. That was, like, the one thing that was neat. But they made the hand look stupid. I was like, why this are you saving his hand? It's got a little hook to, like, hang it on when the suit's not there. Throw it away. Like, he doesn't <laughs> it's really, It's really dumb. And they never, like, go, like, oh, hey, we saved your hand for you. And have a sad moment where he's like, this is my only, like... Because he probably can't even feel. Like, what's the fucking point? His hand gets shot off. Like, it almost... I, I almost took that... Like, I thought it was weird at first, but I almost took that as, like, maybe this is a leap, but that they kind of, like... They didn't. They need something visibly human about him for the public. Like, so just and they could they could save a hand. So well, I think it might. I don't know. It could have almost been a joke. They could have had a throwback line to the original because in the original they're like, "Hey, we can save his arm." He's like, "Who gives a fuck? Throw it away." Like that's, that's like a line in the first one, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, his arm's okay. Should we save it?" He's like, "No." <laughs> it's really funny. Like, it totally establishes Miguel Ferrara's character for the first one. It's like great. But this this movie is so. I was reading the trivia and like stuff just behind the scenes stuff about it later, and they're. The movie itself is so conflicted, but so are all the facts about it. Like the director Jose was like, he was like, yeah, the the process is horrible, and he like called his friend, and like it was a thing in the news, and then and then later he like was like, no, I, I didn't mean that, and like he like redacted it. Well, all. that's like, clearly so, like, like, like a, I need to appease the studio, the, yeah. but but who cares at that point? And then he, I read the thing that was like Joel Kinnaman and the director were pushing for an R. And then later it was like making it PG thirteen was the director's idea, and I was like, "What the hell is yeah. going on with this movie?" Like they're just no. And I think I think part of that is like the, I think so I think that's all PR control. Like they were like, "Okay, you need to do a piece where you say that making it PG thirteen was your idea." Blah 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 blah, and that's how it came out. And the only the only other little thing I kind of got to say is like the because there's no human element in the original. He is RoboCop. He goes out and he has the awesome directives that he reads to everybody. He's like, you know. 
and he's very he's programmed to be a cop. And in this movie, the whole movie is like a, an act of vigilantism. Mm-hmm. Like he he's not really policing for very long. He kind of starts to do it. And it's like wait, I don't want to do that right now. I'm gonna go home and check out my he like I don't know. He just doesn't feel like a cop. He feels like a, no. a cop, a, a too human with a with a vendetta. And that that I kind of didn't jive with me because I was like he's not being a very good cop right now. But then. Maybe he was because he was unraveling a conspiracy or something. But then, what what's going on at the end of that movie when the entire police force and like SWAT team goes crashing into the Renaissance Center just because RoboCop has a hunch basically and no one can prove anything? Like they're all out there balling in like full SWAT van and like, raiding on that building and wrecking uh, the the ED whatever they call them in this one. The big ones. And I'm just like, the entire police force is descending on Michael Keaton's headquarters based on what? Like, I was trying to remember why any cops were sent there, let alone not just Car- uh, not just Michael K. Carl Winslow from Die Hard type situation where they say, hey, there's you're in the area, go scope it out, like Nakatomi style. Everybody goes there. <laughs> the whole It's yeah. crazy. And I remember sitting there watching this action sequence going, why is this happening? <laughs> Look at Michael Keaton's big, hey, why is the entire police force on my doorstep right now? It's weird. Really weird. Honestly, Dread was a better Robocop movie than this was. For sure. <laughs> that should For have been sure. That's the Robocop movie we deserve. Yeah. Alright. There's just so much that doesn't make any sense in this movie. It's really bizarre. We've gone on super long. Much longer than I thought we would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any last thoughts for spoilers? No. I've seen all the Robocops. It's probably the second best Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> there, was an, there was an amazing... <laughs> There was an amazing thing a dude said online. I think so. I've heard good things about it. The best, the best comment I read in regards to this movie was that it's the Batman Forever of the RoboCop franchise. Okay. It's like the third best. <laughs> the, first one, the first one's amazing. The second one is like, okay. And this one's like, kind of dumb, but you'll still watch it because... And, and then the other one, being RoboCop 3, is the, is the Batman Forever yeah, right. franchise. <laughs> I was like, that's a beautiful way to describe it. <laughs> Alright, uh, we can move on to some show feedback provided by our friend Jep. I think that's how you say his name. How's it spelled? J-O-E-P. Yeah, Jep. He's from the Netherlands. I should know that because I'm a fellow, uh, not, I mean Dutch, but um, what are they called? Not Neanderthals. Uh, Nord? I don't know. Nether, Netherlanders. Netherlanders. Is what I saw on Wikipedia one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that better than calling him Dutch. So, all right, uh, Dutch too, too. Yes, sir. Yeah. Dutch German. Me too. You got some fellow uh, <laughs> Neanderthals over here. <laughs> got some Cro Magnons up in here. All right. So Jeff says, "Hey guys, just wanted to let you know that I enjoy the show. I live in the Netherlands, and we have an unlimited movie card for our cinemas. That means I pay about 19 euros a month and can go to any movie without any extra costs. Wow. I was wondering if you have that in the states as well." I replied to him, we do have that kind of thing. I tried it out for about a month. It's called Movie Pass. Don't use it because it really sucks. Okay. You pay about $40 a month. You're only allowed to see each movie once, no matter what theater you go to. Yeah. And, uh, so ours is very strict. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know what the rules are to his. He hasn't written back you yet. You can but. see any movie you want, but you can only see that movie once. Yes. But they send you a credit card that you use an app on your phone to fund the card for the specific movie that you're going to see and you basically have to be within the range of the place that you're seeing the movie at in order for it to activate properly. It this was interesting. Broken. It was interesting, but it's it's a broken idea. Um, so 
Jeff goes on to say, a point that I think can lead to an interesting, interesting discussion is, in France, Germany, and Italy, it is common to dub the movies in their native languages. I feel like part of the performance of an actor gets lost in this process. Imagine, for instance, the Joker without Heath Ledger's fantastic voice work. Luckily, in the Netherlands, and this is how he, he wrote it, and it's somewhat broken English, but I think it's awesome. He says, luckily in the Netherlands, we learn to read and watch our movies in the original language. <laughs> like, yeah. So screw you, France, Germany, and Italy, but really don't because we want you to listen, so please do. Uh, do you think this is a bad thing as well? Hope to hear a discussion on the podcast. Keep up the good work. Greetings, Jeff Ebbing. Sorry for any spelling or grammar errors. And as I said to him, your spelling and grammar are way better than most of the Americans I know, so don't worry about it. What do you guys think? Yes. Yeah, yes. like... No, you, I mean, it, it absolutely can take away from our performance. I, we, we obviously don't run into this as much because we, like a lot of the movies that we're interested in are going to be in English, like a lot of the big Hollywood crap that we watch. But things like, uh, like, uh, you know, when I used to watch more anime, I, I would choose to put on the subtitles yeah. and listen to the original track. Because if you if you let the Americans dub over it, then you'll miss some of the really weird, creepy voiceovers that the Japanese people do in Japanese animes. Yeah, totally. And it totally brings like a completely different light on the character. So like from that alone, even though I don't know what they're saying in Japanese, you can still get a lot more out of the performance depending on how somebody's delivering it. I think my my one example that I can think of is, is Battle Royale. I bought that movie and it didn't have a dub on it. It had really bad English subtitles that were clearly not translated 100% correctly. Yeah. Um, and I got used, like, I, I watched a few times on that, and I got used to the, the Japanese performances, which are very, there's an intensity to, to Japanese speaking, especially in, like, action movies and stuff like that. Like, they get you jacked. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. There's something about that. And same with the anime. Like, yeah. there's an intensity in, in, in to the Japanese language that comes through. And... I got the, there was a, a Blu-ray release that finally had a dub on it, and I watched it with a dub, and it just wasn't, there was yeah. something missing there, and I will, I'll never watch it with a dub again. I won't do it. Tim, Nick? Um, depends on what movie it is, because um, a lot of it, like the old Godzilla movies, the old martial arts movies, that's kind of their charm. Yeah, the, the dub, the dub the can dub be a lot of fun if it it's can, particularly bad yeah, or corny. Exactly, and a lot of times with those, I don't really, I don't really care. Yeah, honestly. Um, but if I'm watching, I'm trying to think of. I mean, Pan's Labyrinth. Maybe. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, what a uh, hero or something like that. Something a little yeah. more straight faced. Then yeah, I want the I want the subtitles on. Um, let the, let the right one in was one that had really dumb subtitles, if I remember. Yeah, like it, like it's just, they they dumbed them down. Mm-hmm. It was really stupid. Um, yeah. So I just think a lot of it. Yeah, depends on what movie you're watching. Probably. Mm. Nick. I. Yeah, I don't. I don't ever try to watch dubs if I can avoid it. Yeah. Although I did once watch scenes from Dumb and Dumber dubbed in French. And it was <laughs> it was really good, but only because I knew the movie by heart anyway. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've watched. I think part of it is just conditioning. Like if you train yourself to not watch dubs, you can eventually get over it. Because there, I mean, the four of us know from working at the video store the number of total mouth readers out there that are like. <laughs> This movie's not an American. I don't want to watch it. And like, bro, like you were gonna miss out on something really good. Maybe, maybe it isn't for you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But after watching so many uh, international movies in in school and stuff, and over the years, like it's you, you do absolutely miss out on performance if you have a dub. And that's not to say that a good 
English, like for us anyway, like if you have a good uh, American or, or an English person that can that can do a good voiceover performance, but you're really rolling the dice there. Yeah. To be fair, you're also rolling the dice with the subtitles, like, but I guess you don't really know any better if you don't speak the language. But I know that I've watched movies. I watch. I have a weird habit of watching Netflix and stuff with with subtitles on. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but frequently there was one show recently. I don't remember what it was, but the subtitles were so off from what was actually being said like words being omitted and different words being the place of it and i was like this is really bizarre why yeah i i always think about that it really distracts me when the subtitles are are off which is why i try not i try not to watch things with subtitles when it's in english because that'll just distract me but you'll see these words it's like what did they like outsource the or something like like why why Were they trying to like literally translate it from another? I don't even know. It doesn't make any it's sense. Like they, they, it's almost like they plugged it into like free translation and then unplugged it in and <laughs> just send it back all jumbled. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the, the battle royale one I have. Is it's a Korean DVD, so it was Korean people doing an English translation of Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very understandable to see how things happen. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it some some. Some subtitles are really, really terrible. I remember we watched a movie called Cashier in, uh, in my Japanese class. Yeah. And I think I would have understood that movie better without any subtitles, even though there was no chance I would understand any of the Japanese because it was too fast and too yeah. informal. But the subtitles can just be so terrible mm-hmm. that... It, it can be... Especially with a movie like Cashier and Cashier insane. and Nuts, all over the place. I, you don't even... Yeah. But... It's you know I don't know. It's a really good question though. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. But I think I think I would agree though that it it can it, it absolutely can in in a lot of instances take away. From I think it's interesting to think about because it's it's basically like doing voice work like even with like the Lego Movie like think about the act like the the American actors trying to fit the personality of what's on screen. It's a wonder that like all dubs end up horrible like it's just sure and it's interesting trying to think about that because when you're doing voice work it generally turns out really well and i think some of that is a combination of of animators putting the the performers into the people that they're animating Mm -hmm. and some of that is is really good actors trying to figure out exactly what's going on maybe with dubs it's like because like i you know Miyazaki movie dubs are generally pretty good. Yeah, everybody that's, does a pretty good job. Example I was going to use. Yeah, they get some really good actors, and it turns out okay. Now, what we're missing from that by not like watching in Japanese, I don't really know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't tried to see the differences between a Miyazaki movie when you listen to the dub or if you read the subtitles. There could be some differences there. There usually are some discrepancies, but they're usually pretty, yeah, pretty minute. Because I mean, I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z, like a lot, and. But, the subtitles on the on the original Japanese are far different than what you actually get in the dub yeah. if you compare them. And there are some serious, there are some discrepancies that actually change, like characters and and, totally. and storyline points. So it, I mean, are you getting the real version of what was intended? That's the thing is that like it's it's interesting you know. even listening to like I listen to the Eight Four Play podcast and Eight Four is a company that does localization for Japanese video games and listening to them talk about figuring out how to translate the humor because there are jokes in other languages that aren't going to be funny to us because even if you could directly translate them then we just won't get them it's cultural things. yeah it's a total cultural thing so 
the kind of shifts that you need to do to, to, to make those things work, sometimes making up a completely different joke that still fits within the context of what you're watching is really interesting. I think one thing, too, that's interesting with when it comes to dubs of um, like movies from the U.S. and foreign countries is that a lot oftentimes, like Willem Dafoe, all right. Willem Dafoe has a guy that does his dubbing. He's the Willem Dafoe yeah. of France. Like that he might also be the Tommy Lee Jones of France. I don't know. But but that's interesting to me because yeah. in that in that way it's still that's what Willem Dafoe's associated with when you're in France. Like all the French people are like that's Willem Dafoe's voice. Like yeah, that's... That. so it's an interesting I mean kind of a drag. I guess that kind of in a way like it's all about context too because for them that that's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. So that they could gauge based on the voice performance of another actor whether it was a good Willem Dafoe performance. It's so it's yeah. that's yeah that's very. It interesting. reminds me of the scene in uh, the original Home Alone when they're uh, is it the original? I think it's the original where they're in a which one do they fly to Paris in? His family. I, no, I, that's the second one. Yeah, I think. I think so. I don't remember. Anyway. There, I remember the family sitting around bored waiting to try to find when they can come back. No, it is the first one. Yeah. It's the French line. Anyway, the b- bunch of his like cousins and shit are sitting around watching It's a Wonderful Life on TV in France, and it's, just, it's, just, it's dubbed in French, and there's no subtitles, and they're all sitting there like... <laughs> because not only is it nonsensical to them, but it's the most like bizarre, over-the-top dubbing of some Frenchman trying to do Jimmy Stewart, and it's just hysterical. <laughs> and I remember... It, Oh, that even as a kid that stood out to me is just like God. This looks like a miserable experience, <laughs> and the look on their faces totally uh, echoes that. It's cool when like international stars. Like I know I don't know why this is the one leaping to mind, but like Gerard Depardieu was like he'll be in like American movies, and I know he will do his own do dub his own in dub. France. Yeah, like Bradley Cooper does a couple of his dubs. Yeah, in, yeah. in France. Yeah, I've read that about. Uh, there are a few stars who can do their own, and that's kind of interesting. But that's cool. It is a. I would say that's. A very small percentage of yeah. them because they're usually all probably pretty pretty bizarre. Yeah, uh, it, I don't know. yeah. But I guess then the, a, a big question is what you know, which which movies are being imported that you know, like French, say the average French person, if they happen to catch some American movie that they don't really love, they probably don't care. You know, it's probably the same thing for us with like just reading subtitles and, and watching the native language, even if we don't understand it, maybe we just don't care. But like the the triple A movies like The Dark Knight was the example that he used. Yeah. I feel like maybe uh for a movie that big and I I don't know, maybe I'm totally wrong, but maybe the average French teenager or young adult would want to seek out the original version and not watch a dub because it's like a Batman movie, they might think it they want to see it in the original. Mm. Yeah, that's and true. Plus, I, mean, I don't know, it's it's a weird it's an interesting question because in America English is such a in American movies and, and the English language are so widespread that I think a lot of people would be able to get by and understand it. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I know that in like Japan too. Japan they um, they don't do much dubbing of of American movies. They just add the subtitles in, and you can just you have to read the Ugh, reading during a movie. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> stupid reading, but yeah, dumb reading. Anyway, I think our feedback discussion was a little bit more lively than our rest of the episode. <laughs> it's because it's the power of a good question. More interesting than Robocop. I thought we pulled through. I think we did. I think we did. We'll see. We'll I see what we the made, listeners think. I think we made. Do you guys think there will be a sequel to what? Oh no! Cop? No, this movie no. bombed. Thank no, God. No way. Oh, great. Comes back to hating it again. <laughs> well, no, I'm just, just not principal. The only reason it bums me out no, is I because I, I want to see Joel Kinnaman get get some some work. Right. This is a really bizarre role for. I mean, like I'm like, why? How did they pick him? I mean, yeah. I like him, and I think he did a, he did a good enough job in it. But I want to know what was the moment. The whole movie, I was wondering. 
which is the scene that he read during the audition where they were like, like, what was the scene that made them go, yes, you are RoboCop, instead of like, you know, I don't know, somebody else. <laughs> I was say Taylor Kitsch, but I didn't want to diss him, but it, it, it felt like, oh, can I you like imagine it. T. Kitsch with that hair underneath, flowing underneath the RoboCop. <laughs> when the visor's no. back. Just, <laughs> they, you know what they offered? It's Taylor Kitsch, and he was like, well, I have to have, the, the hair has to shine <laughs> through. They like, no. did offer it to somebody <laughs> just kidding. Who, who turned it down. Peter Weller. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I mean... <laughs> Oh man, that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just Tron Legacy him and de-age him. Just put him back in the oh, suit. Oh god. Yeah, uh, that might good. have elevated the movie a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Alright, we've, gone, yeah, we've it? gone way too kill long. It. Kill it, Alex. Pull the plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just let it die. Uh, thank you, Jep, for the question. Please, other people send questions to feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Yeah, because there are still... Quite a few shitty movies coming out, and we'd rather talk about your good questions. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing next week or the week after that, so we're gonna we're gonna have to hash that out. But um, feedback at midwestfilmers.com. Let us know what you thought. Midwestfilmers.com. Go to check out our full show notes or our uh, back catalog of episodes, since I think only the first thirty appear in iTunes. Um, at Mr. John on Twitter. Thank you for our artwork and music and. Uh, Alex Spy, go watch a movie. My excellent bulletproof vest.